Hi, it's Monisha and Shirley from Make It Shine, the money podcast. On today's podcast, how to spot financial infidelity and what can you do to overcome it? Keep listening to find out. So Shirley, we chatted about secret bank accounts in a previous podcast and discovered how many more people than I would have ever thought have them. Yeah, and I was actually really surprised to learn that men have secret bank accounts way more often than women. A lot of the secret bank accounts advice actually used to come from grandma. So somehow I just imagined it was their territory. I mean, my grandma used to hide money in giant rice bags. Yeah, and people also hide money in their backyard or under their mattresses. Everywhere, right? And one of the things I learned as part of that podcast was the term financial infidelity. Yes, and financial infidelity covers a wide range of behaviors. It could be something as simple as not telling your partner about small purchases, and it could also be a lot more serious like stealing money from shared accounts. Other examples include actions like lying about your income or debts, lending large amounts of money without talking to your partner, or making big purchases without discussing it first. So Jenny Olson, she's an associate professor of marketing at Indiana University in the U.S., and she studied this phenomena, and she said there's two main components that must exist to classify something as financial infidelity. So number one, you have to be engaging in a financial behavior that you know your partner would disapprove of. And number two, you keep that behavior a secret. So you're actually worried there's an anticipation that there's some disapproval. You're doing something wrong, essentially. And based on a U.S. news survey over the past year, a third of all couples have said that they've experienced financial infidelity. And remember, this is self-reported survey, so there are people out there that probably don't want to share, or maybe they don't even know that they've been cheated on. And in some other surveys, they say that 75% of adults in relationships have said that they've experienced financial deception. Yeah, the biggest money-related lies that came up in relationships were actually secretive purchases. So that's 31% or hiding debts at 28%. And then dishonesty about income, like how much money you actually make at 22%. So people are intentionally lying about these things and, and not sharing it with their partner. In the same survey by U.S. News, over half of the couples who experienced financial infidelity were also in major debt. But for those who didn't experience financial infidelity, only 22% were in debt. Okay, so that's interesting. But I really wonder, like, how can you tell if your significant other is holding a big financial secret or, you know, lying about money to you? Well, there are probably many signs that your partner is lying about money that you just don't notice. And unfortunately, it may take a big event to find out. I mean, for many couples, they only find out about it once the relationship ends, and you find out about it during the divorce proceedings. It also doesn't change if you're older. So you might think that the older you are and the longer you're married, the harder it probably is to hide like a big financial secret like this. But that's actually not true. So there was a recent major study in the Journal of Consumer Research that surveyed people from ages 19 to 83. And they actually found that rates of infidelity, financial infidelity, are actually about the same whether you're young or old. Yeah, and you're actually more vulnerable if you're older because there's less time to make up for the lost savings because you're closer to the retirement age. I actually think technology has made it so much easier to cheat on your partner yep. when it comes to finances. I mean, with mobile banking, there's no paper trail, there's no statements. And if it's you're doing online shopping, you have emailed receipts. You don't have hard copies that you have to hide. Yep, I totally agree. So given that, how can you spot financial infidelity since your partner is unlikely to tell you about it themselves? Okay, so here's five things that you can watch out for. And this is really to help you catch financial infidelity early on. So number one, if your partner insists on having a separate bank account, 
So in and of itself, wanting a separate bank account is not committing financial infidelity, but it comes down to the intent. Do they want full control of their account so you don't actually find out that they have a spending problem? You know, maybe they're dealing with large debt that they don't want to tell you about, or maybe there's worse reasons, right? If done correctly, a separate bank account can actually help because one of the root causes of financial infidelity is actually a desire for autonomy. Like people want independence over their money. But if your partner is just completely insisting on never sharing information about their finances and they're not transparent at all, it's a huge red flag. Oh, yes, I totally agree. So number two, another reason is you notice sudden changes to your bank accounts and passwords or random purchases start popping up on the accounts. So this is a big one because it's like starting out with a joint account that gets converted to an individual account. So for example, you notice that your name may have suddenly been removed from what used to be a joint credit card for no reason and without your knowledge. Or you can see new credit card statements arriving to your home for credit cards you know nothing about. Or you could find that your online banking password now has suddenly changed. So essentially, you're getting blindsided with these changes. And if you usually don't pay attention to money matters, you might not notice at all and that's what your partner is hoping. Yeah. Okay. Number three, and we talked about this earlier, you uncover a secret bank account or, you know, you discover cash under the mattress. So we've talked a lot about this one, but the worst case scenario is your partner has a secret bank account. You never find out how much they're actually earning from their job. We already know 21% lie to their partner about their take-home pay. As an example, they could also be hoarding cash. So this is different from online only secret bank account, like an actual physical secret cash hoard. And they're hiding it in the house. It could always be for something positive, right? Maybe it's just an emergency fund. It could be a fund for something special. They're actually planning to buy you. And if you do find a secret bank account or a secret stash of cash, first ask your partner calmly about it instead of just jumping to conclusions. I mean, definitely ask your partner why they felt they needed to hide this from you. Financial infidelity never happens in a vacuum and it's rarely about the money. The most important thing here actually is to kickstart that conversation. Which brings us to number four, your partner's unwillingness to discuss financial matters. So they just don't want to talk about it and they become very defensive. They change the subject or avoid the topic when you bring it up. So maybe they're giving you documents to sign without telling you what they're for. And this is made much worse with unilateral financial decision making or money controlling behavior if your spouse handles all the responsibilities of paying bills and doesn't want you to know anything about the family finances. They may decide they know best and they may make significant purchases without any discussion or without your agreement. Lastly, number five, which is paranoia and a visible change in behavior. So if your partner suddenly seems very paranoid about checking their mail, won't leave their phone alone, or they obsessively start logging out of accounts on shared laptops and desktops and so on. So for example, if you want to check something on their laptop and they're just hovering over you, they're like, don't open anything else. Like they're just looking at you. Trust your intuition here. If you have a gut feel that your spouse is hiding something from you, especially if your partner has a history of lying to other people about expenditures and income, This is a big red flag. I mean, we always say that it could be something positive, like they're planning a surprise birthday party for you. Right. But if your birthday has already happened (laughs) and they're still freaking out when you touch their phone and get very defensive when you talk about it or even joke about it, That's something to be concerned about. It's a red flag. It comes down to human behavior and emotions. So experts say the reason financial infidelity is so common is because we find money matters in general really hard to talk about. And things become even harder when we think we've made a mistake. We've mismanaged our money or used it in a way that our partner might disapprove of. And a lot of our ability to discuss money depends on how we were brought up. 
was a taboo to talk about money in the family. And one of the reasons people commit financial infidelity is also revenge. So there's this 2018 study which said that an individual who is withholding money is likely to be withholding feelings. And at times, like money can be used as a punishment directed at a partner for not fulfilling their emotional needs. Yeah, a lot of financial infidelity is a symptom for larger problems in the relationship, like marrying someone with totally different values, especially on money. So what do you do if your partner commits financial infidelity? I mean, we know that finance and money is the number one reason people get divorced, but is that the only option? No, I don't think it has to be the only option or else even more of us would be divorced. So there's still hope here. So what I would recommend here is tip number one, start an open and healthy dialogue. We shared a lot of tips on our podcast, how to talk to your partner about money. Yeah, I agree. I think it's such a big issue that one partner feels guilty because they're hiding something and then overcompensates by becoming defensive or aggressive that sometimes it actually becomes really hard just to even have a conversation about the real problem. And one of the tips we shared earlier was having a routine financial date where you set aside time to just talk about money things so they don't get ignored. Yeah, and tip number two is don't be kept in the dark. I think a lot of women particularly are fine with giving financial reins over to their spouse and maybe even choosing to ignore their finances because it just stresses them out. But you do need to take accountability of your finances and it's worthwhile finding out why it stresses you. Income disparity, I know, is one of the reasons why the lower earning partner feels an imbalance and they're like, well, maybe I have a smaller voice in you know what is a shared financial situation. But you have to remember anything negative. It impacts both of you equally when it comes to finances. You may not need to know every single detail, but it's really important to be aware of the big finance picture for yourself as a couple. Yeah, I can definitely relate to a lot of that. So moving on to tip number three, reassess your financial goals together. So this is a great idea to do as part of your finance dates so you can make it fun. Whether you're early in your relationship or you've been together for a long time and you're nearing retirement, your goals and money values are always changing. So make sure you talk about them. One of my favorite quotes is, I reserve the right to change my mind. So many people actually get hung up. They're like, oh, I thought my life would look like this when I'm 25. And, and then they feel trapped in it because it didn't work out that way. And maybe you had an injury or had kids or you just had a revelation that you, I don't know, love to play the cello and now you want to change your life plans. That's okay. Especially now, we're experiencing the great resignation. You hear about it everywhere. And it goes without saying. So don't resign without telling your partner. Don't rage quit your job. <laughs> but if you want to take on a job with shorter hours or one that allows for more flexibility that may impact your income, definitely be honest about it. Talk to your partner about it. People will find out eventually. So, you know, number four, another thing you can do is bring in a pro. So someone who's an expert, third party, that might be who you need to just nudge you into sharing and being more transparent. So they could help you with goal setting. They could help you provide solutions. That's the other thing. I think people going through financial challenges, just see the challenge. But every issue has a solution. There's there's something that's possible. And it's worthwhile sitting down with somebody who can help you do that. Yeah, it's a neutral party as well. And they might bring in points that you've never thought about before as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fifth tip is just don't sweat the small stuff and practice forgiveness. So a lot of financial infidelity recovery is the same as any form of cheating. You have to forgive your partner and yourself and establish ground rules to build trust again. You might have to be patient and you can't freak out if your partner forgets to tell you about a $45 purchase or suggest that they're lying to you again. So this is the hardest thing to do and requires you to be honest with yourself first. Can you truly forgive and move on? I would say for a lot of couples, this is where they have to make a decision on whether to work on the relationship or to separate. Yeah, and it's a tough situation, especially... 
I think we're all probably guilty of some sort of financial infidelity. I mean, even if not to our own spouses. And so much of it is emotional and just not wanting to be judged. Shirley, do you remember our shopping trip in Cambodia? (laughs) So that's a great example of how something small becomes a big lie. So (laughs) Manisha and I, we both have this amazing friend who is, without exaggeration, the world's best and most relentless bargain hunter. Yes, relentless. I mean, she is the deal maven. And she has been, I think, for as long as we've ever known her. She's all about deals. Yeah. So the three of us went on a trip to Southeast Asia. We traveled Malaysia, Thailand, and Cambodia. And everywhere we went, we would be bargaining really hard. I mean, we would be trying to bargain hard, but she would be bargaining hardest with real results. Yeah. She would get the results. As a group, I feel there was so much pressure to always get the best deal, right? And so so Shirley and I separately uh, one day actually went on a mini shopping trip in Cambodia, just the two of us. And we saw these like really beautiful wooden purses, just really gorgeous and like vibrant colors. And we're like, oh my God, we want to buy all of them. Yep. And this is Cambodia. <laughs> so everything is already quite cheap. And we ended up haggling a little, but not too much. And I think we paid around $5 US for each of the four bags. So $20 altogether. So again, like to us, that's already really, really cheap. When we came back to the hotel, we were like, oh my God, what are we going to tell our friend? Because we knew she would totally ask how much we paid for them. We panicked. And then, you know, when she showed up, we were like, you know what? They, they cost us one, $1 <laughs> each. They cost us $1. <laughs> I remember we were in the hotel room and we were panicking because we knew she was going up the elevator and she was going to be there soon and we needed to agree on a cost. We couldn't say a different number. <laughs> and it was amazing because even she was like, when we finally told her, well, we got it for a dollar. She's like, wow, guys, that's a great deal. Oh my God, it was so bad. And we kept the secret for years, like eight years. And then on her 30th birthday, we were like, okay, you know, this is like a momentous occasion. We have to come clean. So I <laughs> I actually remember like later on, like, you know, we've had, we've had the dinner, we're having drinks, we're just sitting down and I was like, Hey, remember when we were in Cambodia and we got these bags for $1, we actually paid $5 for them. Yeah. And my favorite part of her response is that she actually remembered for, she could visualize everything. And she's like, you know what? That deal always felt too good to be true. <laughs> and that's how we committed financial infidelity against a friend. And we, what did we get? Absolutely nothing. Like, I <laughs> never use those bags. They're so impractical. They were made of wood. Like, they would hold nothing. I know. We lied for eight years. <laughs> so I never used mine either. And the amount we lied about was so small, too. Like, if you think about it, it made no sense that we lied about the price. Like, who cares? And that's why so much of financial infidelity is about approval and judgment. Right. So if you're in a relationship with someone and you want them to think that you're awesome, you might do crazy things to paint that picture. I mean, how many of us have brought an expensive gift for our parents and said it was cheaper than it really was because they wouldn't approve of the real price of it. Totally. I've done that so many times. And yeah, money matters are emotional. So maybe the best tip out of everything that we've shared is to figure out how to deal with emotions about money first. So conquering that taboo around discussing money is key for couples to survive the fallout or even avoid it altogether. Well said, Manisha. Well, we hope you enjoy these tips on both discovering and surviving financial infidelity. Please share the podcast with a friend and give us a five-star review. And don't forget to make it shine. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the podcast creators and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. 